This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Anderson Quantity Surveying. Based in Aberdeen but working throughout Scotland and beyond with almost 20 years experience in the construction industry, AQS specialise in all aspects of cost budgeting and control on construction projects. Whether you're embarking on a domestic or commercial refurbishment, extension or new build, AQS can provide you with budget cost plans, tender documentation, contractor comparison reports and cost management tools for use throughout the construction phase of your project. To find out more, give AQS a call on 01224 502 550 or email gary at andersonqs.co.uk It's Wednesday, or is it Thursday, Gav? It's going to be Wednesday. Very confident it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 28 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott. Joining me this week is Gavin Baxter. Gav, how's it going? Good, thank you. No uh, no one-liners this week. Just going to say I am very happy to be here in my flat having my coffee and not being part of that St. Johnston team that I had to go through their fans after getting pumped out of the cup by Kelly Hart's. Yeah, maybe a bit more of that later on, I guess. But in a week that saw Livingston pick a fight with the Hardy boys, <laughs> St. Johnson exit the Scottish Cup to Kelty Hearts, and Sevco launch into full-blown conspiracy theorist mode following the exemplary shithousery of one Scott Brown. It's another busy episode as the games come thick and fast to the dawns as we feature our reviews of the first visit of Edinburgh City to Pataudry in the Scottish Cup and our trip to St Mirren in the SPFL Premiership. We'll take our regular look at our loanies and loan watch, and we cast our eyes over the women's team and their visit to the capital to thump the Jambos 4-0 in SWPL1. And after the break, we'll take some time to preview our next set of fixtures as we welcome St. Johnston to Pataudry on Saturday before we make the trip to Dingwall to face Dross County on Tuesday evening. But first, Aberdeen 3, Edinburgh City 0. The 23rd of January 2022, Pataudry Stadium, the Scottish Cup. Fourth round, manager Stephen Glass keeping the same starting lineup from Tuesday night's 1 1 draw with Sevco 5088 Limited Football Club and an unchanged set of nine players on the bench as well. Ex Don Gary Naismith Citizens arrived for their first competitive meeting with the Dons, fielding a side with three changes from last week's Desmond 2 2 with Kelty Hearts. Lee Hamilton, James Farrell, and John Robertson. No, not that John Robertson, all coming into the starting lineup. But it was the home side who started brightly ensuring they took control of the game early doors. Johnny Hayes lashing a shot from 20 yards past the post after just two minutes. And this was followed up by Ross McCrory turning all sorts of Lionel Messi, making a darting 60-yard run, beating a couple of challenges before lashing a shot towards goal that Schwack held onto comfortably. Hedges was next having an attempt on eight minutes, which was well held by the City goalkeeper. A fine instinctive effort by Ramirez on 15 minutes, swivelling to hit a flick on from King Ojo from 25 yards. With his shot just flying wide of the post, the Dons well on top and the breakthrough arrived on 22 minutes. King Ojo with a fine run down the left-hand side and his effort was stopped by Schwack. But Hayes was on hand to knock the rebound into the six-yard box 
where Hedges arrived to force home. Aberdeen kept the intensity up, Ferguson going close from a free kick before a Ramsey effort was held by Schwack low at his near post. King Ojo then hit the post from 18 yards after a flick on from Jenks. And finally, the Dons doubled their lead on 44 minutes, a lovely one-two between Hedges and King Ojo. And it was the Belgians' lofted pass into the path of Hedges, allowing the Welshman to square for Ramirez and the American smash home high into the top corner from six yards. At halftime, the Dons withdrew Ross McCrory to make way for Connor Barron's first-team debut with Scott Brown dropping into the centre of defence alongside David Bates. Truth be told, the second half was a bit of an exercise in possession football from an Aberdeen side who looked comfortable throughout with Edinburgh, eager to sit back and keep things tight, restricting Aberdeen to a number of long-range efforts. Declan Gallagher was next to enter the fray on 60 minutes, Ryan Hedges getting a rest this time around. Lewis Ferguson let fly with a spectacular free kick on 66 minutes. His curling effort from 35 yards has Schwack beaten all ends up, but the ball smashed off the underside of the bar and away. Jet then took to the field on 73 minutes, replacing Ramirez. <laughs> We're getting there. Gallagher should have scored from a Ramsey corner on 75, but his header was straight at the end of a city goalkeeper. And then on 82 minutes, the miss of the round and one that might rank alongside Miles Story for all-time misses at the pit. King Ojo and Jet linking well, and King Ojo danced past a couple of Edinburgh City defenders before cutting back for the big man, who was unmarked eight yards from goal with a goalkeeper already sat down. With an open goal, what did he do? That's right, smashed it straight off the bar. The ABZ FP kitty safe for another week, and Jet's target of 20-plus goals for the season is looking more and more distant as the weeks pass. It took until the 85th minute for Joe Lewis to be tested. A breakaway from the visitors found McDonald and his effort from an acute angle was easily dealt with by the big Englishman. Finally, a third goal for Aberdeen arrived in the second minute of injury time. A free kick from the right by Ramsey wasn't dealt with by the Edinburgh goalkeeper and Ferguson's looping header eventually found the net. A comfortable afternoon's work for the Dons as we march into the last 16 and an away tie at Motherwell awaits. In terms of the data... No surprises here. The Dons dominate the stats, 66% possession, which I actually find hard to believe. There were periods in the second half where Edinburgh didn't touch the ball for what felt like five, 10 minutes. 32 shots, 10 of those on target. Gav, your thoughts? First and foremost, just a very, very comfortable uh, game. To get around to the next stage, just exactly what you want, really. I think we stamped our authority on the game within the first couple of minutes, and we just didn't really let up all the while never really getting out of second gear. So 3-0 into the next round. Fingers crossed that the McCrory substitution was precautionary or even just a planned uh, a plan that was going into the game to rest some bodies that have... Because Ross McCrory, I'm sure, has probably played almost every minute of football we've had this year. So hopefully no injuries have come through with it. And yeah, move on to the next round. I feel like it's kind of difficult to do a, a full-blown analysis of this one because we were just so comfortable right throughout and and as you say we kind of took the game by the scruff neck within the opening couple of minutes and we just didn't really let up from that moment on it was 3-0 but it you know we hit the bar three times it could easily have been six you know if, if those efforts go in and then there was still a few efforts on top of that that I think we probably could have done better with snapshots there was a Gallagher header which was directed at the goalkeeper etc a really professional performance just exactly what you need in a fixture like that it's we saw what happened in a number of fixtures yesterday in the cup where lower league teams did did really well at, at facing up against higher ranked opposition. Um, obviously, Morton took Motherwell to extra time. KLT obviously put uh, St. Johnston out 
after extra time. We saw what Cove Rangers did to Hibs on, on Thursday night. So I know it's a bit of a cliche about there being no easy ties, but when teams come in and they, they, they are going to sit in, can be difficult. And I think that what we what we did yesterday, we did well. We were knocking the ball a bit with a lot of freedom. Didn't really give in, but any sort of opportunity to even get a foot on the ball and try and make themselves comfortable in the game. All in all, on a different gate, on a different day, if I wear our shooting boots on, that could have been seven or eight potentially. But all in all, I think it was a, a thoroughly professional performance. In terms of the manager's team selection, the right one for you? I think last week I said that I wanted the strongest 11 out on the pitch and that's what was delivered. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it was absolutely the right thing to do. I, I can only presume that lessons have been learned from the Wraith Rovers debacle at the start of the season. Although I think in general, I think the manager has now started to come across what I think he believes to be his best 11 anyway, which makes that decision a lot easier. But yeah, it was the right thing to do. I think it was the right call to make the substitutions when he did yesterday. Guys like Ramirez are, are critical to us at this moment in time because, you know, by by all accounts, there was a comment made on Red TV, I think, yesterday that Watkins is potentially going to be missing until around the split, which is quite some distance away. Um, if, if no one else comes in in the next eight days, as we're recording at this moment in time on the 23rd, you know, we, we we go very, very light in attacking options. Uh, we've only really got Ramirez and, and Jet, and we'll, we'll talk about Jet, I guess, in a minute. Hedges is obviously very critical to us, and it's interesting, still no movement on the Ryan Hedges front as we speak at this moment in time. Blackburn signed a highly rated winger from Tottenham during the window, signed him on a permanent deal as well. I wonder if that might mean that Blackburn are maybe not interested or as interested in the wearing Ryan Hedges at this moment in time, so maybe it looks a bit more positive that we may have Ryan Hedges at least here until the end of the season if he still chooses that he wishes to move on under freedom of contract and then yeah as you touched on Ross McCrory's probably played every minute I think this season for us I would need to go and check that but you can't be far off of it and um, he's been excellent and and really ran himself into the ground as well against Rangers on Tuesday night mm-hmm. so makes a lot of sense I actually thought we maybe would have seen some more substitutions uh, I'm not sure if the five subs was still in play yesterday I'm presuming it was given there was nine on the bench so I was surprised we didn't take the opportunity to maybe make another couple of changes uh, I thought it was a game that maybe after we went two up second half it was maybe crying out to give the likes of Conor McLennan Dylan McGee a bit of game time potentially McLennan more just my confidence perspective I think yeah I'm just trying to get any kind of inclination as to whether you were allowed five subs yesterday I'm going to say you must have been able to otherwise why would you allow to have nine on the bench yeah that's my that's my thinking as well but let's just have a quick look through like something Let's see, two, three, four. So, like Kilmarnock used four subs. I don't know if that's because it would have got extra time. Yeah, they were in extra time. Yeah. So, whether that's the case, either way, I think we still, I think it was the right call, especially we were talking about it when we went 2 0 up and going into halftime. It was the perfect game to integrate someone like Connor Barron into the team, you know, get him familiar with the guys in the first team. All the while, it's a comfortable level for him. We know he excels there because we've seen it for the first half of the season. And yeah, I think tend to agree. I think um, Dylan McGeek and Connor McLennan are two that I would have certainly been looking to get on, but manager's prerogative. I don't know whether Hedges or, like I say, McCrory were maybe carrying some knocks, you know, and that maybe forces his hand. Oh, no, I don't, I don't think anyone would have been completely in any way exerted yesterday. No. Let's talk about Connor Barron. Came off the bench at halftime, um, slotted in initially in the centre of the park. Scott Brown dropped back alongside David Bates and then... When Gallagher came on, Brown moved back up into the midfield again and Barron got tucked over onto the left-hand side of the three. 
what were your thoughts on seeing the young man? It's the first time uh, either of you or I have seen him in the flesh. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of rave reviews from Breaking City fans and Kelty fans this season about how he's been doing. What were your initial thoughts on on Connor Barron? Looked very tidy on the ball. Was always looking for it. Um, so that's the encouraging thing. Um, it was a very passive second half. You know, I think Edinburgh City had kind of accepted their fate almost from the moment they came out for the second half. And, you know, we never got out of first gear in that way. But I think he did all his work pretty well. I'd like to have seen him maybe stay in the center of the park instead of being shifted out to the left side, which I don't believe is his position at all. Um, but yeah, all of signs look good. And yeah, fingers crossed we're going to see a lot more of this guy. Yeah, it struck me a little bit about, remember, um, Carrie Arneson talking to us not that long ago about technically good players in Scotland and the midfield potentially always getting shifted out to the, the wide areas as opposed to getting an opportunity to play in the centre of the park. And I was, I was a little bit baffled as to why there was a decision made to shuffle him back out there. It's not as though he came on and, and like we suddenly were being overrun in the centre of the park. We still looked very comfortable in there. Yeah. It, it seemed a bit odd for me that he would then be shuffled out because I thought he was doing all the right things in the centre of the park. He was going looking for the ball. He was making nice passes in the same way that Scott Brown would and the same way that Lewis Ferguson does. So I was surprised. But even then, when he when he did shuffle off to the left-hand side, I thought his work was good. Um, looks like he's got two good feet on him. Decent little bit of pace about him. Assured first touch more often than not. I don't think he wasted a ball in the entire time he was on. Very, very impressed. And he, he went hunting for a goal as well and could have got one um, later on in the second half. I think he just about failed to get on the end of a cross ball, of which there were numerous you know, getting thrown into the box in the second half. So all in all, I thought it was a very, a very, very impressive debut from the young man. Like you say, it's one of those, so you need to look at levels as well. And let's not get ahead of ourselves. We know that this is a level that he excels at. He's did well at breaking it at League Two level last season. Has done very, very well at Kelty Hearts, who are absolutely romping that league. I'll be interested to see whether, how much more game time he continues to get um, between now and the end of the season and which sort of games he gets. Like obviously, we've got Motherwell away in the Cup, so we don't even have like a lower league team in the Cup coming up. be interesting to see, but all in all, I thought it was it was one of the more assured debuts I've seen from a young man in, in quite some time. Yeah, completely agree. And yeah, like you said, the most encouraging thing, as we said, is that the way he continued to look for the ball throughout the entire game. And yeah, it's a, it's a perfect game to come into in that sense so that we're up and coasting another team of maybe accepted things but yeah like I say if that's what he's if that's what he's going to bring then he's going to have a very good future I think yeah definitely uh, one of the other substitutes that came on the pitch um, J. Manuel Thomas we, we can't not talk about this I mean, I mean how on earth is Graham not here for this I can't believe he's not I, I can, well also Graham was at the game yesterday which maybe was a good thing for Graham's blood pressure <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean if you want to sum Jet up in about 10 seconds worth of play this is it this is absolutely it. It's a fine piece of interlink between him and King Ojo to begin with. He actually slides Ojo in brilliantly. It's a fantastic little through ball. It's the kind of thing you're screaming for Jetta to do. Ojo does brilliantly, skips past a couple of players, a bit like what he did against, I want to say, Breitablik earlier in the season. That sounds right, yep. Very, very similar to that. Cuts it back. It's on a plate for the big man to get his first goal at Pataudry in a red shirt. What do you even say about it? All I can say is he is literally and metaphorically just too laid back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's exactly it. I, I was convinced that when it hit the bar, it must have hit the bar and gone down and in at the time. And I think it was because obviously we're, we're in the red shed, so you've got the depth perception issue. And then it's only about like that split second later where you realize actually, no, that ball was like 
come way back out of the penalty box again. Somebody's cleared that. that I, I, I don't think I was at Pataudry for the Miles Story miss. I think I, I don't think I was at that game. I was not. So for me, I think it unquestionably is the worst miss I've ever seen at Pataudry. I think even having seen the story one in the highlights, I still think this is worst. Really? Because the story one is a yard out. Right? I know, but the one thing I'll say about the story one, it's, it's fired in with pace and it's just a tiny bit behind him. And this is just eight <laughs> yards yeah. out with an open goal. And, you know, Ojo's delivered it on like a cloud. It's not, it's not taking a bobble or anything. I watched it like back last night on sports scene because I thought, I'd obviously seen it back on the clips on Twitter on like Red TV. And you know, when you're like, it's been taken off of someone's phone off of a laptop monitor. Mm-hmm. So you're like, you're not getting exactly crystal clear. You know, it's not 4K HD. Let's see if we can give the big man the benefit of the doubt here. And it's taken an awful bobble. And you watch it back and it's like, nope, that has just rolled absolutely perfectly onto his foot. It's it's a terrible one. He is far too good a technical footballer for me to be on here <laughs> saying, well, it was his weaker foot. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I don't I, oh man. Just yeah. Um I think we still want this to work for him, but um that's maybe just a moment where I'm like, yeah, maybe this isn't gonna maybe it's just not gonna quite happen. It's that thing, isn't it? It's like I can't I I, I, I imagine with his character, he'll probably just brush that off. That'd be one of those things. It didn't really come back to bite anyone in the arse, you know, we still won the game comfortably. I imagine he'll probably just be able to laugh that off in the dressing room. Um, I, I get the impression that's his character. But at the same time, he's not scored a goal since the Wraith Rovers League Cup tie. Which which was with his right foot, by the way. It was an absolute perler. So yeah, yeah it it's definitely not his weaker foot. Absolutely. He's not scored since then. Okay, his, his opportunities in the first team have been limited. Um, let's not try and pretend otherwise. He's not scored off St. in a red shirt. He's done it for Livingston, but, but not for Aberdeen. So you do kind of wonder, is that a, an opportunity there for him to get a goal and get motoring? Um, I use motoring, obviously, in the... <laughs> motoring in the same way a tractor does. <laughs> um, but I don't think it will affect his confidence. I don't think much does affect Jet's confidence. Oh, you're probably right there. I don't think you can be the kind of player he is without having an unbelievable level of confidence. Yeah. By all accounts, I mean, he's you know happy and smiling when Lewis Ferguson scores. So yeah, you're probably right. He probably actually does have the ability just to shrug it off. But yeah, man, man. And, and if nothing else, he's done the club out of, what, about 50 quid? I don't think they're that expensive, <laughs> I was going to say. Well, collectively. Oh, well, yes, absolutely, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, top dons for you yesterday. Kind of difficult, I think, to... Did anyone stand out? I thought Ojo was really good. I'm not understanding all this chat about Ojo in a negative sense I've seen going around Twitter today. Yeah, I don't... I'm not sure I get that. You know, Joe Lewis had nothing to do apart from the save, which was a comfortable one for him. Yeah. Ramsey, like everyone in the back was fine. You know, David Bates was assured. Um, no one had to really, no one had to stand out. No, exactly. I would give it to King Ojo, I think. I thought he was, I thought he was actually our most dangerous player yesterday. A lot of, a lot of good stuff went through him yesterday. Yeah, I'd say I'd go along with Ojo and I thought Ferguson had another good game. I think a very commanding performance in the, in the center of the park and that's his 10th goal of the season, so. Yeah. Double figures in January, which I think is the possibly the second season in a row he's done that. Could very well be. I mean, he's probably been on pens obviously since Cosgrove left, so that would that would make sense. Yeah, but I mean, his I mean, you know, his record and that is flawless as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't meaning it in a critical way. It was just I was pointing out that that would probably about make sense. But he seems to have stepped up a bit more in goals this season. His free kicks yesterday were pretty damn good. I mean, how that one 
the hits the bar doesn't go down and in. I wasn't not really quite sure, but yeah, I thought his, his that free kicks yes were good. They've actually you'd think he's been working on that maybe over the winter break because there was a one against the Rangers as well. I think he hit pretty well. But yeah, I think Ferguson did what Ferguson does, and we're starting to see more consistently good performances again from Lewis Ferguson, which is good. Uh, for me, I would I think King Ojo. I think so much of our good play went through him yesterday. The lofted chip volley plays in for Hedges in the build-up to Ramirez's goal yesterday is fantastic. He's the one who's who, who gets the shot off that leads eventually to the first goal. His interplay with Jet, which leads to Jet's sitter, was was excellent as well. I know that people are you know saying today, let's well, league two opposition and yada yada, and that, yeah, you know what, that's that's fair and that's accurate. It's you know I'm not going to try and pretend otherwise. But you're right. I've seen some people saying that he was terrible on Tuesday night against Rangers, and I, I don't necessarily buy that. I thought he was, I thought he was decent enough on Tuesday night against Rangers. I don't think anyone was terrible against Rangers, and yeah, he certainly doesn't stand out to me as being a weak link in the team by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and I've seen people, you know, the, the you know the cross ball he put in for when he got in behind, I think a Hayes ball, he got in behind Tavernier, and he kind of lofted the ball back to the penalty spot and I've seen a lot of people saying that that was a poor ball I what's your view on this one I personally thought actually that was a perfectly I, I thought that was the perfect place to stick that because I'd be hoping in his scenario in his situation there that Ramirez would hold back it's the perfect place to put it Ramirez was the only guy in the box so why head it towards the near post where it's a very difficult opportunity I can see it from the perspective of Ramirez 99 times of 100 tends to run towards the goal so in that sense, maybe the near post would have been the place to put it. But I think back to the Hibs goal that Ramirez scored when he did sit back and Ramsey pulled it back. And like you say, it creates space and you know the defenders are going to automatically be drawn towards the goal. So from Ojo's perspective, if Ramirez decides to hold back, then he's got probably a better chance of actually scoring a goal rather than you know getting wiped out by McGregor or, or Goldson. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would, I wouldn't, I was not thinking at the time that was a bad ball. It's just unfortunate that Ramirez didn't have the awareness or perhaps just the the level of intellect as a striker to just sit back in that situation. I've seen as well. I think some comments from Stephen Glass overnight about the fact that we're probably going to try and open up talks with Ojo about retaining him at the end of the season. He's obviously out of contract at the end of the campaign. Again, that seems to be one that's divided a lot of opinion today. Again, uh, your thoughts on that one? Well, I mean, we talked about this with Noel Blaha, didn't we? About Ojo being out of contract. And we did, yeah. The chat around, and the most likely chat is that he is probably one of the top earners in the team at the present moment um, on the back of the, the transfer you paid for him. And, you know, you can just, um, you can kind of disseminate from the way he talked in the summer about refusing to go elsewhere because the contracts on offer were not as good as the contract he had at Aberdeen. I still stick with my view that I don't completely trust him in a central midfield position. And I'd like to see us continue to evolve past a point where Ojo is not is definitely not good enough to play for central midfield for Aberdeen. But he's a very good utility man. In saying that, I would hope if he were to stay, it would be on reduced terms. Because I would like us to kind of get to a point where Ojo's perhaps not in the first team at the level he has been this season. Yeah, it's clear that Glass rates him. It's clear that Glass likes the fact that, as he talked about early doors in the season, I think after the Hecking game when he, when he appeared and a lot of people were surprised, that they viewed Ojo as being, I guess, one of the more match-intelligent 
players in the squad who are able to adapt very quickly to instructions and understand what's being asked of them and so on and so forth. And there's still definitely, I think, uh, an element of the jury being out on him. I, I, for me, I don't think he is a central midfielder in the way that he was brought in. I think we've seen that this season. I think he's much more effective actually playing in some of these positions he's been playing where it's been wide off of the left-hand side or off the right-hand side, kind of being a little bit more of an attacking player rather than a midfield destroyer type. I think the thing that Ujo does give you is he gives you flexibility because he can play in a number of different positions and he does generally okay in a lot of them. I know that people will say that he's not great in a lot of positions. I, I thought when he was having to fill in it right back, he did a pretty good job across the board. I thought he did pretty well. Said it before and if say it again, if we lost Calvin Ramsey tomorrow and we had to go with Ujo right back for the rest of the season, I would, it's not my number one pick, but it's, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a value in a squad like Aberdeen where you've got to maximise every pound out of your budget of having a guy who can play a number of different positions. But at the same time, you kind of have to start being able to go past that and actually have guys who are excelling in positions rather than being the guys that can play. But as a squad player, I think Ojo could be very, very useful for the next couple of seasons. But as you say, for me, that has to be on a, a, a deal with its reduced terms from where he is at the moment. I think he's it's, it's been talked about widely. He's probably one of the highest earners at the club still. He mentioned it himself um, after he came back in after the Hecken game, etc. about the fact he had a good contract. He was going to basically see that out in the belief that he probably wouldn't be anywhere near the first team this season. Um, but you do wonder uh, whether or not even he might have had a renewed sense of belonging, I guess, at the club. Uh, he very much seemed to be out the door. Seems to be a manager's favourite. He seems to get on well with the boys in the dressing room. You know, you can see that with the squad. He's got two songs now. There was a, a new song in the Red Shed yesterday about Ojo, or certainly one I've not heard before. So, you know, you never know. It might be an opportunity. And he might be willing to take a reduced deal as well if he was planning potentially to go back to, to, to Belgium, I think, and probably retire, I think it sounded like. It sounded like he was already thinking about things to do outside the game. He might be willing to hang around for another couple of seasons on even, I don't know, 50% of the salaries on at the moment. Who knows? Let's move on from that one, though. Obviously, later on last night, Draw came out. And away tie to Motherwell. Your thoughts? Not ideal, given the uh, the hoodoo that Motherwell have had us over us this season so far. Not ideal. But if we want to win the Scottish Cup, we've got to win games like this and take these challenges on head on. But yeah, um, Fair Park is never, never my uh, ideal scenario for any game, really. Yeah, but they struggled yesterday against Morton to get through. They got thumped 3-1 by... Ross County, first match after the break. They're obviously missing Tony Watt now. He's been their, their leading goal scorer this season and he's gone off to Dungeon United. Doesn't look as though they're in any place where they're going to replace him at, at this particular moment in time. Uh, your man Van de Ven's still there, though. He is. He scored yesterday, scored a penalty kick. But, you know, maybe not as bad a tie as it was a few weeks ago. I'm saying that now. Obviously, we can rewind this come the, the weekend of that. And if we've been horse 3-0 and we're out, then you can replay that for me to have a good laugh at. But shades, <sighs> perhaps, of the League Cup run 2014, we had to go to Fir Park. We did have to go to Fir Park. And even a little bit further back under Craig Brown, went down there in not any particularly great form. And Rory Fallon scored two absolute worldies. He did, and we went on to make the, the semi-final that season. Obviously, we spoke about that with Carrie Arneson not that long ago as well. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting one. I think, obviously, the next few weeks are going to be pretty key to see how both of those teams go into that. But I guess at the same time, draw could have been a lot worse. Could have been Kelty away. Could have been Kelty away. 
could have been Big Hearts Away, which I was waiting for. That would also have been another bogey tie for us. I don't know how many times in recent seasons we've been drawn away to Tyne Castle and have got hosed out. I was waiting for Celtic or Celtic Park. Yeah, this is true. And uh, obviously no chance for getting like Anna Athletic or anybody, obviously, because, you know. <laughs> They're already taken. Yeah, exactly. So let's uh, let's see how we go on the Scottish Cup. Let's move on to Tuesday night. St Mirren 1, Aberdeen nil. Smyza Stadium the 25th of January 2022 in the SPFL Premiership. And Gav, it's the first time we've probably been able to do this. An almost instant reaction. We're recording this just minutes after the final whistle's blown in Paisley on, on what was a pretty dismal evening for the Dons. And instead of doing our usual look back through the game in a bit more detail, I think we're just going to go with a bit more of an instant analysis, I think, for this one. Yeah, I think that's quite befitting. I think the game almost doesn't warrant an analysis. I think just almost speaking from the heart is, is appropriate on this occasion. And fuck me, that was shit. It wasn't very good, was it? Just nothing really, I think, to take any sort of positive out of that performance in Paisley this evening. No, just um, a sluggish start and never really recovered from it. I think there was maybe a 15-minute spell towards the end of the first half we started getting a foot in the ball and passing the ball with some intent and some pace. But, you know, other than that, just sluggish, completely off it, really disappointing performance, kind of one of which is not... Uh, not been uncommon this season, unfortunately. Yeah, I'd probably agree. I thought last 10 minutes of this first half, maybe the first 10 minutes of the second half, I thought we were okay. We were kind of threatening. We, we seemed to get the tempo up and we started to cause St. Minnan some problems. And then as soon as St. Minnan score, it's a good goal by um, Connor Rohan. The amount of space he's got is absolutely criminal to strike. Mm-hmm. It's a decent strike past Joe Lewis. No, no issues here with Lewis as goalkeeper on this one. Um, but after conceding the goal, we just didn't look like we had any sort of response capable look it just completely sucked all the energy and all the legs out of us you might have the data in front of you you're the you're the data man but i don't think jack alanick had a save to make after that after the after our goal after their goal after after st Mirren's goal yeah i i think you'd be right i mean i think let me just bring up this the, the data i certainly can't think of even threatening i think this maybe um i think this was beforehand the campbell cross that scott brown could have maybe that was before. Scored yeah. that was beforehand. So yeah, I mean, not even a cross, not even a, not, not even a shot that was you know remotely close to the target. No, I mean, yeah. So we're right. One shot on target in the entire game for Aberdeen. One shot on target as well for some minute. Now that shot is the one that's being. It, it was the Ramsey cross come shot from the first mm-hmm. half that was being counted by um, by Opta. So I mean, for me, that wasn't even really a shot on target. That was a, a cross ball. That's the yeah. keepers had to kind of palm away. So yeah, that's even more disappointing, as you say, that we didn't even really threaten Annex goal after we've conceded. A lot of pot shots from outside the box that didn't really go anywhere near the goal. Just real a real lack of intensity and drive to even try and get back into the game and made it far, far too easy for St. Mirren to defend against us. I mean, like many people who are probably watching that game on the Red TV feed, I, you know, struggled with the decision of whether or not to mute uh, the commentary on account of Steve Cowan but one thing he did say <laughs> was um, and he's right in this sense Joe Shaughnessy and Charles Dunn will not have an easier game all season than that night Oh absolutely not I mean we spoke about it in the first half just as the game was progressing it was pretty clear that Ramirez was having an off day at early doors nothing was sticking up front and and this is a huge huge issue that we have at the club at the moment we, we don't have any sort of backup 
to our number nine at all. So where things are not working as they weren't today, and they're not going to work every week. We've got literally no plan B off the bench up front to to try and do something different. And uh, okay, Glass makes a change after the goal. He brings Jet on for Ryan Hedges. I've seen a lot of people going a bit mad about that tonight. I think in fairness, Hedges was carrying a knock. He'd been down injured before that. I don't think this was a, a tactical substitution to bring Jet on for Hedges. Still an unusual one, though. I, I, if you're looking to bring on somebody to replace Hedges, you'd look at the bench and you'd probably be looking, I guess, at somebody like Conor McLennan, I guess, more than more than Jet. But by the by, I don't think Hedges was withdrawn because of a for a tactical reason. I wonder if that was perhaps a change made on the basis of how well Jet did against Sitmirren a few months earlier, thinking maybe he could replicate that again. But not a good night for not a good night for Jet at all. No, I mean it's not a good night for anybody. Let's no, let's not try and pretend no. otherwise. Even I think even the most ardent of St. Menon fans would probably agree that they probably didn't really do enough across the 90 minutes to win the game. We've really gifted it to them. They've had one shot on target as well today, which is the one that goes in. The defending for the goal was criminal. Um, I've seen some people try to like say that Calvin Ramsey's not going to be criticized for the goal. And if it was Jack Gar, he'd be getting slaughtered. Well, I'll do it right now. Calvin Ramsey was way, way, way too slow to get out to block that, um, to block that shot. And yeah, in the same way that Jack Gurr sold the shirts at Wraith Rovers, I think that a large chunk of that defeat has to sit on the young man's shoulders, I'm afraid. I think this comes back to the point we made when both Calvin Ramsey and Jack McKenzie were both out of the team and Ojo and Johnny Hayes were filling those fullback roles. In some ways, I think they're almost... Well, Jack McKenzie maybe not so much. I think Jack McKenzie is a better defender than Calvin Ramsey is. Absolutely. But... In that instance, I think if Ojo's right back, he gets out with a lot more intensity there and actually puts Ronan under pressure. You see Ramsey, he's he's pointing to something to I don't know why he's pointing towards or why he's even thinking about anything other than getting out to his man. And it's just very lackadaisical, very passive, and something he's gonna have to work on because I think his defending really does need some improvement. Yeah, I think there's absolutely no question for me about Calvin Ramsey's technical abilities going forward. I think I said it on the podcast. I think I said it on the podcast, or I said it to somebody. Um, I, I now struggle to remember who I spoke to out with the world of the podcast about Aberdeen and who I, and who we speak to on here. There's a little part of me who almost looks at Ramsey and feels that he's not really a right back, not really a, a wing back. I feel like he's, he's probably going to be better deployed as a footballing player further up the park. I, I look, I'm not saying that he is the next Gareth Bale but I think in a way there are parallels with Gareth Bale who broke through as a left back to begin with and it kind of took a bit of a fluke decision I think by Harry Redknapp to push him further up the park for Spurs recognising he had the pace and the technical ability to do well there and I kind of feel that Ramsey almost looks that way as well I think he's going to do a lot more of his good work in the attacking areas of a pitch and and not necessarily in the defensive areas and that's absolutely an example of today you could question how quickly he closed down Ryan Kent for the cross, the cross against um, Sevco last week. That's that's two goals that you could say don't come about if he gets out and closes his man down a lot quicker. Um, obviously, last week's goal against Rangers takes place much earlier in the game. I've seen some people try to say that maybe because this one was just over the hour mark, is that another example of Ramsey being gassed and still doesn't quite have the stamina there. I think you need to put some of that into context. It's still a young man making his way in the game. He has just come back from injury. 
etc etc but he's gonna have to if he wants a big time move to the Premier League in England or to you know Serie A or someone else he's gonna have to very quickly build up that match fitness and that ability to to last the full 90. I think there's perfectly legitimate concerns about his defensive qualities that's not me saying he doesn't have any at all I think he does but I do tend to agree with you that I think his future will be in a more advanced role in saying that even today in the first half I think there were occasions where he was squaring up Scott Tanzer and just never has doesn't seem to quite have the confidence or the spring in his step to, yeah. to go past a man in the way he did earlier in the season. And again, whether that's due to fitness or just a lack of confidence off the back of the injury, I don't know. But yeah, it's just for ourselves, we need we need more from him right now. That's that's the harsh reality of it. Yeah, and listen, I don't want to put all the blame of, of the performance tonight on Calvin Ramsey. He, he, for me, I struggle to give anyone in the Aberdeen team pass marks tonight. Um Joe Lewis, maybe he did nothing. He had nothing to do, effectively. Um, apart from that, I find it very hard. You know what? I thought the one player in the first half who was trying to show some intent to get forward was David Bates. Yeah, I agree about that. But even then, his distribution in the second half I thought was pretty poor on the yeah. whole. Um, he did, so He was very fortunate to not get caught. He kind of dithered on the ball and then handled it in the centre of the park. I believe which... this was uh, referee Grant Urban's first SPL match and he clearly wanted just a, a quiet day at the office, so to speak, because that was outrageous. I mean, it showed. I mean, I'm not blaming the referee for the defeat tonight, but that there was a free kick on Jenks, which he completely missed. Um, there was a few issues, there was a few items that were just like I don't understand what the referee's doing out there. It looks like he's completely lost. But to be fair, we were on the receiving end of some, I and ben, beneficial to us on yeah. some shocking calls. So yes, yeah, absolutely nothing to do with him. But he wasn't the only guy in the pitch that looked a bit clueless tonight. There were certainly ten guys in red who were who were the same as well. It's it's really difficult, I think, to almost analyze that. When I, I mean, I, I would almost put that up there with the Dundee performance away for how bad a performance that was tonight. Um, I think it's pretty much as insipid a performance as we put in all season. Yeah. Just nothing at all positive to take away from it. A bad night all around for for the team, for the management, coaches, the lot there tonight. Uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit on Twitter, I mean, I think, is what, and we, we touched on it with um, Tom Watt in one of our mid-season reviews as well. There. I'm struggling now to understand why Stephen Glass appears to now be so reluctant to make decisive major changes in his personnel and his team and his setup and his system when things aren't going well when we saw it happen early in the season and that willingness to do it appears to have disappeared completely and that would have been a game today where if he decided to completely change shape decided to bring on he could have used five subs tonight well that's that's the most galling thing of it you can make changes and even if they don't work you can change the changes yeah, you've you got know, that you've got that flexibility and he's just not doing it. And it was just like for like nothing, nothing changed with the substitutions he made tonight. No, and I think he would almost get some credit in the bank from supporters if he saw that he tried to change it, he tried to change the shape. And if it didn't work out, because just everyone's having an off night, and sometimes that happens in football. Let's not pretend otherwise. We've seen it enough times with Aberdeen. But I think most fans would at least give him some credit there for saying, well, he certainly attempted to change things. He certainly tried to change the system, tried to do something, tried to bring on some different personnel. It was very odd choices of substitutes, I thought, tonight. I thought Jet for Hedges, like I said, I think Hedges was, was withdrawn because he was injured, but whether Jet's the right guy to bring on there and, and what really did it add, we didn't really change the system. Steve Cowan was 
on the brink of having a stroke, I think, at one point during commentary <laughs> for how deep Jet was sitting. And I don't necessarily disagree with him about that. It's like if you bring a guy like Jet on in a game like that today where we've been trying to play through the lines, trying to play through the midfield, and it's not working for whatever reason, it's not sticking, people's touches are just off tonight, then maybe this is a game we have to start going a little bit more direct and stick Jet a little bit closer to Ramirez and get the ball up the channels and up into him and see what happens, see if something can stick. And it, it wasn't happening. Jet was playing almost as a central midfielder between Brown and Ferguson at some points in the second half. Um, Tonight I've lost a fair amount of faith in Jet. I'm not going to yeah, lie. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, at the same time, if you're... I don't get why we play him at wide right to, be, to start with. Unless you're going to hit smart diagonals. Which we and, you, and you make use of his... He's pretty good in the air, so if you make use of that, then so be it. But if you're not going to play him in the number 10 role, that's the only place I can think to put him in. Yeah. And, you know, create space either for others or he has the space within the within the space between the defense and the, and the midfield of the opposition. Yeah. I just can't see why you'd bring him on. And like you say, he was just standing like two yards away from Scott Brown at points. And if that's, I imagine that's his directive. I don't think that's probably him taking it out of his own hands. I don't think so. It's not like you saw Stephen Glass and Co on the sidelines going absolutely apeshit, trying to you know get him to move. You know, so because that's I, an instance of where you could then just say, right, we've got five subs. He's not doing what I want, so fucking hook him. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other substitutions: Conor McLennan for um, Teddy Jenks. Probably fair enough. I felt that we needed something. We needed some sort of injection of pace, directness anything out in the wing so uh, McLean is practically the only guy we have on the bench who who could probably offer you that so uh, it's a fair enough substitution I, I think more and more of us as well are now becoming more convinced that not convinced it's going to work out for Conor McLean in an Aberdeen shirt I, I think we said it again in the mid-season reviews I think he's a guy that could benefit from going and playing regular first team football somewhere else at least for the remainder of this season see if he can pick it up bring him back in or alternatively Try him to the centre of the park, as we've also discussed before. He did it in Breitha Blick away, did all right there. That's how he came to the system. Yada, yada, yada. So I don't have a huge issue about McLennan coming on. Performance, though, again, was abject. That was his 100th appearance for Aberdeen tonight, by the way, Conor McLennan. What? Yeah, that was his 100th appearance in a red shirt for Aberdeen tonight. And for me, I would like to think he's now he should be in a place now where he's learning. And I'm not seeing enough of that. 51 less than Lewis Ferguson. Yeah, I mean, that, that won't be far off the far off the case. And then Matt Kennedy for Calvin Ramsey. Um, I don't know. Is it really a game to bring on a guy who hasn't played first-team football for? I, I couldn't even tell you how long it's been since Matt Kennedy last played for us. When you're chasing a game like that, he's not going to be up to speed. But, you know, we don't have a reserve league anymore to play in. Is that really the kind of right place to bring him on? I, I don't think he did anything wrong, but he didn't do anything great either. I'm not going to lie. So uh, so we're kind of the main, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Custodians of the ABZ FP Twitter page. <laughs> so I was too busy on Twitter um, looking up uh, funny GIFs <laughs> for just any eventuality. And I was kind of shocked to just to see that. I think you posted the Mr. Kennedy tweet. What's that related to? And then yeah, I looked at my screen and yeah, he's then he's on the pitch and he was playing wide left, was he? 
Yeah, he was he was wide on the left. So side. I'm not quite sure what 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 exactly was the change that was made in order for that to happen. So did Ojo go to right back there? Ojo swung over to right back. Yeah. So Ojo swung to right back, and then what? So Kennedy just swapped with Ojo. Yeah. Listen, I think I think the bench tonight was pretty weak. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what you do in those in that situation. Really, to be honest with you. Uh, the thing is, it's one of those games tonight. I look at like I thought Scott Brown was really poor tonight. Yeah. Um, people have made the point out there that it's all very well doing the shithousery stuff against Rangers, stepping up there, you know, being gift worthy against Rangers, etc. But truth be told, it's games like that tonight where we really need a guy like Scott Brown to step up to the mark and pull a team like us through a game like that tonight. We need somebody to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and effectively just bully us through it and completely anonymous way too many passes especially first half were just wayward really put his team under pressure on a number of occasions i mean it would be a hugely brave move by the goal by the by the manager sorry to do it but i mean why not bring baron on you know what as soon as i said i'm not sure what i would have done there i was just thinking to myself why not be brave and bring on a guy that's maybe gonna be playing with absolutely no fear and bring Connor baron on and see what he can do but for me at the end of the day we were going nowhere at that point so the game's either going to drift out to one nil like this and it might drift out to one nil if you bring a young kid on it might be a bit much it's, it would be the very first time you step up to that sort of level he's playing against a guy in alan power and um, on the opposite side of the park who is not shy about putting an attack or two i'd imagine he would look at baron as being you know um a bit of a target to go after but at the same time Connor baron's gonna have to deal with that he's, he's been having to deal with stuff like that i imagine in league two give the kid a shot what what, what would have been the worst that could have happened in, in in that circumstance for us yeah we would have still lost yeah exactly for me that's almost like a free hit for for baron to, to be to be frank and you never know he, he comes on as well could it be that we're seeing an issue here as well with scott brown having to play as many games as we've now played in three games i, I was amazed he lasted the full lengthy against edinburgh city the weekend i would have thought he'd have been hooked at halftime i thought i thought he would have been the one hooked at halftime for for Connor baron actually on, on saturday we spoke about it I wonder what the dynamic and power is when it comes to Scott Brown's selection. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting question. Is it him that's insisting that he plays every week? Because I get the impression he would probably, he wants to. Or if, when I say every week, I mean every game. Mm-hmm. Does Stephen Glass have the, uh, does Stephen Glass have the strength to, t- to pull him out of the games? Does Stephen Glass have faith to pull him out of games? Well, the, yeah, those are two different questions, aren't they? They are very different questions, yeah, but I just wonder if, if it's one of those or is it a combination of all those things that... Because I agree with you. Frankly, I don't think Scott Brown needed to play against Edinburgh City at all. No, I, I agree with you. I don't think he needed to play against Edinburgh City at all, but I can understand why he played him given the way that the Wraith Rovers game went. So I, I have no real issues about that, but at 2-0 at halftime, I think I even turned to you at halftime and I said I would be taking Brown off now. I'd be putting Baron in. I, I think there was maybe some chat that McCrory may have picked up a niggle in the first half against Edinburgh City, so that's why they withdrew him. But take take Gallagher on then. You could have taken Gallagher and Barron on at that point at halftime, and you would have still had three subs to use in the second half. It, it wouldn't have been a big issue. I don't know. Brown does look like he keeps himself, you know, we've seen a decent amount of this season. I think he keeps himself fit, but he's playing Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Just that bit much, and and last Tuesday's a, last Tuesday's a a big game, and that expends a lot of not just physical energy, but I imagine a lot of mental energy at the same time as well. But the thing for me is, it's not a, it doesn't 
strike me as a fitness issue. It's just that he wasn't playing well tonight. No, I, I agree. But is it because it's too much playing Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday? You know, is it just too much in the legs at his age now? But who knows? I don't know. I, again, I don't want to feel like I'm singling out people. But for me, that would have been a performance. And we've seen plenty of people say it tonight as well, that I think that we would expect better from from Scott Brown in that type of game. It's one of those games for me, if it's not Scott Brown, he gets hooked. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I put this into perspective because uh, I remember the statistic coming up when we got beat at St Mirren earlier in the season. Yes. Our defeat at St Mirren earlier in the season was the first time that Scott Brown had ever been beaten in Paisley by St Mirren before, or it might even have been beaten by St Mirren. Uh, would we be beaten in Paisley because they beat Celtic last year? Unless Scott Brown wasn't playing. But, but anyway, it must have been beaten in Paisley. That's twice in a row now that's happened to him. Well, more importantly, that's the twice in a row we've been beaten by Sitmer, never mind Scott Brown. Yeah, yeah, I, know. I just meant it more just in the context of his career. That, yeah, you know, no, abs- yeah. absolutely, but if, you know, it's just it's, it's just not good enough. There's no get, there's no getting away from that. Absolutely not. I mean, I, just across the board tonight, really poor. Hedges, anonymous. I thought Jenks did very little, but yeah, just uh, a really, really disappointing evening all round, especially given the fact that we. We will have spoken about it in the preview section for the games coming up at the weekend. This is a huge month ahead of us as far as our season goes. And we have, on the face of it, tonight, as, as demonstrated this might be otherwise, on the face of it, an eminently winnable set of fixtures coming up. And the people in fourth and fifth in the table as we stand, and we, we could have gone fourth in the table yeah. tonight with Mother and Hips playing each other tomorrow evening. The teams above us in the league at the moment have got difficult runs coming up. It was a real opportunity for us to reel some of these teams in and to really put down a bit of a marker that we're on a bit of a charge and we can go and maybe try and sneak. I, I think third is probably gone tonight, I would suggest, but was always probably a push, but still to try and get to fourth um, spot, try and get into Europe, which would rescue what's been a bit of the abject season. But after that tonight, I'm still... I'm not convinced. I, I think we probably end up finishing sixth at the moment. We're still too inconsistent. O- on the road, our form away from home is fucking terrible. And it's worth mentioning, this will be brought up later on in the previews, but say Ross County win tomorrow night, they're four points off us. Yeah, that would be that would be, that would be correct. And then we go to Ross County. You know, we can easily get dragged back into the bottom six. There's absolutely no guarantees of anything there. Um, I think... I'll just go back to what I said on the official Twitter account tonight. I think a lot of people involved in this team have proven what a lot of us probably already knew, and that's that there's a bunch of people at that club who have no business at Aberdeen Football Club. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I you know, I see people again talking about the fact that Glass shouldn't be treated with another like recruitment opportunity, etc. I, I still go back to the fact that our structure in the summer was just completely, completely wrong, allowing a guy allowing the manager and Stephen Gunn or whoever it was that made the signings in the summer to do so when the whole plan was meant to be that they weren't going to be responsible for signings. It was meant to be head of recruitment or however the structure is meant to work. It's just criminal. And I think we're still paying for it here. Our squad right now is very, very light, given a few injuries. I mean, most most of the team are fit. You've got Watkins who's out and you've got Considine who's out long-term and McKenzie. Um, we don't know what McKenzie's position is um, in terms of how long or how far away he's going to be. But we're almost out of bare bones, certainly in the attacking areas, it feels like. It feels like we don't have the options. 
attacking areas. And yeah, we don't know what McKenzie's situation is. We don't know why Hayes wasn't in the squad at all tonight, unless that was referenced to you on Red TV. I didn't catch that at any point. I didn't hear. Didn't hear. I'll say it again. Like Dean Campbell's not not the answer at left back. And yeah, we we need more options up front. That's the thing that's come to the fore tonight for as far as I'm concerned, because we can't rely on Ramirez every game and we need an option when he's not firing. Desperately. Desperately need it. A desperately poor night. I'm not even gonna insult your intelligence, Gavin, by asking for a top don. Top don. I don't even think we go there. Uh, not there wasn't one for me. Steve Cowan. Steve Cowan. If he hopefully Steve's managed to get out of whatever he was tonight, commentating healthy. Steve Cowan acting as a vessel for Graham Steele. <laughs> Absolutely, definitely. Let's move on. So, in other news from Petodre this week, Jack Gurr departs the Dons. Goodbye, sweet prince. Joining up with Sacramento Republic in the USL. And as at the time of recording, no further transfer activity in or out of the club, although rumors continue to build around the likes of Callum Ramsey and Lewis Ferguson. Ramsey, apparently, now the subject of a bid from Bologna. Uh, three and a half million sounds like baloney to me. Hi there. Um, we might do this a lot in the next couple of weeks on this show. Um, a packed fixture list and a busy, well, busy ish <laughs> January transfer window makes editing and recording our show uh, slightly problematic. But we're taking advantage of the fact that we're recording a live reaction to the disappointing result uh, in Paisley this evening to look at a couple of pieces of transfer activity that kind of caught us on the hop because we'd already recorded our episode for this week on Sunday evening. Let's start, Gav, with the acquisition of Vicente Bejuin. I think we've pronounced that right. Derek Ray even had to have two bashes at this one. (laughs) (laughs) So screw it. That seems... About as good as I can be bothered doing. I think one that came as a bit of a surprise to everyone yesterday. I, I very much enjoyed the fact that the Aberdeen Twitter account trailed it to begin with, with a little, I don't know how you describe it, but the GIF flicking through various Dutch players. But it's fair to say it was a very downward trajectory, very rapidly. What was the Hans, Theo, and then it ended with what? Fern Snoil? Uh, De Vischer and then Snoil, <laughs> I think. <laughs> um. So, yeah, um, Vicente Bejuin. Bajawin. Bajawin. Vicente Bajawin. That sounds that, that sounds a bit like how Derek did it, so we'll go with that. Vicente Bajawin. Um, yeah. Or as I like to call him, Ron Hernandez, Mark II. <laughs> One thing that I noticed that the Aberdeen press release didn't highlight, Bogota born. Now, I can only presume that was because of conspiracy theorists like us. Instantly running into the wild about the fact we were signing a South American or a four and a half year deal towards the back end of a January transfer window again. From a market we typically don't really operate in. <laughs> yeah, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt in this one. So Bogota born, but I believe adopted to some Dutch parents. Uh, uh, so he, he has a Dutch passport and he's chosen to play through the Dutch international setup. 20 years old, come through the Ajax Academy and Roma youth setups before making his way to... ADO Den Haag in August 2020. So a bit of a more unusual one, as you say, Gav, for us uh, in recent seasons. Obviously, the Dutch market is one we've plundered with success in the past and with some not-so-great success uh, more recently. <laughs> I don't want this to become another thing about us having a, a questionable opinion of Karim Tuzani. So um, let's bypass that. Andy Murray's not here tonight to get us in trouble on that side. Um, uh, the Aberdeen 
press release, as I think is always the case at the moment with every signing we do, indicating he's a sought-after, talented individual, and then we fought off competition from sides in Scotland and Europe. So I presume that means Hibs. But more to the point, what did the finance director think about the signing? He hasn't said if it was all above board yet. <laughs> Listen, let's not be cynical about it. Let's not be cynical. Maybe we've taken the Ronnie Hernandez cash and we have reinvested it once again in a, in a potentially good opportunity here. By all accounts, the um, sources we've scoured have indicated that the fee is in and around 450 to 500,000 euros. So that would... Around that sort of figure, I think 350, 450, yeah. Uh, that would work in quite closely with the money we're rumoured to have got for Ronnie Hernandez. So, uh, listen, yeah, we're joking aside. It's, um, to me, it's a promising signing. It's, um, I'm encouraged by the language being used around him um, in reference to comparisons with Ross McCrory and Lewis Ferguson, who've been, who've been great signings for Aberdeen and what we can hopefully expect going forward from uh, from Vicente and I've watched the as I'm sure everyone listening has done I've watched the little highlight reel that Aberdeen put alongside his announcement and from what we can gather you know seems to fit into the system you know left-sided winger but with a right foot so he'll be a very much inverted modern type of player scored some good goals yeah I'm not gonna lie excited very excited about this one yeah I mean by all accounts from reading various uh ADO Den Haag uh, forums, etc. over the last uh, 24 hours or so. I mean, it seems to be, general consensus appears to be a decent player, maybe not an absolute world beater uh, right now, but he's not going to be. Let's, let's, let's be quite frank about that, given that we're signing him. It appears, as you say, to kind of fit the system. You, you mentioned there about him being a, a left wing. I think predominantly plays on the right. Okay. But can play across... Basically, from what I can, from what I can ascertain from a lot of Den Haag fans, can play right wing, can play left wing, can play as a ten, and if you were really pushed that, it could play as a, a number nine as well. But probably not exactly where you'd want to do. But from what I can see, he's much, he's not like a traditional winger, not one who's going to be hitting the byline, swinging cross balls, and he sounds like he's much more likely to be pulling inside, creating space for overlapping fullbacks and wingbacks, and that is something we've seen. Stephen Glass decides to do quite consistently so far this season. We picked up on it during the Rangers review last week. That does seem to be a bit of a, a tactical decision to make our wingers do that. So it does sound as though at least we're fitting, finding players who are going to fit in with the system we're looking to play rather than try to just, you know, throw enough shit at a wall and hope that some of it will stick at some point. Yeah, or adapt a system around our personnel. Yeah, Exactly. First season at Den Haag, a bit of a struggle for him, I guess. That saw them relegate from the Eredivisie. Um, but he played frequently for them. He made 30 appearances last season and 23 starts. Which is a big thing because given he would have been, what, 19 last season. So clearly shows all, they had a lot of faith in him. Absolutely. And then so far this season, 22 appearances, six goals, 10 assists. Now, that helps. has to be taken with a, a pinch of salt. It's a lower level. The Erste Divisa is well-renowned as being a open and high-scoring league. So it's, it's one where... You know, attacking players have got plenty of opportunities, but it's an intriguing one, if if nothing else. I think um, it's just what we've been talking about all season. You know, we need to operate in different markets and look for players, be smarter about our recruitment. And I'm a lot more excited about signing Vicente than I would be about signing, you know, Jamie Walker. <laughs> Vincent Walker from, I don't know. Even if, even if Vicente did call us FC Aberdeen, he did, but you know what? If he if he if he comes in and he you know 
he comes in and does a job and wins us the Scottish Cup and, and mate, I'll happily call FC Aberdeen or call whatever the hell I want to do if he does that. I'll get I'll get on board with that. Yeah. But yeah, it's it, it's what people have said. It, it it's the kind of signings I think we we need to be looking to make. We talked about it on the Dante Polvara signing as well. It's bringing in guys on young players looking for opportunities. He's clearly will have one eye, I would presume, on a move to you know move to England at some point in the future. But he's clearly bought into whatever we've sold him around going to be getting opportunities to play football here, looking at the, you know, as you touched on earlier on, looking at the pathways of like a Lewis Ferguson, uh, Ross McCrory, a Calvin Ramsey, whatever, and, and looking at what, what these guys have been able to do. So it's definitely an intriguing one. The only thing I would say, and I think Graham's touched on it, obviously Graham can't join us tonight, but these are all very well and good. Uh, signing guys like Vicente, signing guys like Dante Pavara, it's all potential. Are we running the risk here that we could still do with some more finished articles right now in the side. I don't think that's unfair. No, it's the issue as well, isn't it? With the with January finding finished articles or polished products is it's difficult. But yeah, I think I think we could certainly benefit from. Uh, do I want to say players that are familiar with the SPL or maybe English or British football? I'm not sure, but yeah, maybe getting some guys who've got got a little bit more match experience under their belt wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah, and. Given everything we've read, given everything we've seen about this guy, it looks to me like it's a Ryan Hedges replacement. Now, whether that's in the short term or looking more medium long term, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Hedges in the next six days of the transfer window. But again, as much as I feel Hedges is inconsistent, etc., it's we'll be very fortunate if a guy at the age of 20 comes over here and just hits the ground running. I would suspect it's going to be a completely different style of football from what he's used to playing in his uh, youth career up until now. We've seen, you know, you've seen it with guys in who come up from England who've struggled with that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how, how this guy decides to adapt to it. And if we lose hedges in the next six days and somebody who's just not quite ready yet to, to hit the ground running comes in, hopefully we're wrong. Hopefully he just comes in and he's a, a star straight off the bat. That could really blunt us from a, from an attacking perspective. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've even seen it with guys who are familiar with Scottish football. I mean, just take Kenny McLean, for example, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. he made the move from St. Mirren to Aberdeen. It's making the, the step up can be, or just adapting to a new country or a new system, a new group of players. You know, it's all very difficult. Um, you know, I can see he speaks English, so hopefully that's not going to be an issue at all. Yeah. But um, yeah, you've got to allow the guy to have some kind of... Um, a period of time to adapt to, to Scottish football and it would be grossly um, unrealistic to expect him to just come in and start firing on all cylinders. It just rarely, rarely happens. Um, I wonder if this is maybe taken with an approach of, you know, because it appears that Marley Watkins is out for a significant period of time, whether he's more in for to take the position of Ojo, provide mm-hmm. another option on the other side and with a view of Hedges perhaps staying here until the end of the season. Could be. I mean, obviously, the, the chat on Hedges has gone very quiet, and I think we were already talking about that in the segment we recorded on Sunday anyway, so we don't probably need to go into that anymore. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And we've, we've just talked about it in the review of the Rangers, of the sorry, of the St. Mirren game, that this month is a huge, huge month coming up for us. And it's kind of not one we want to be getting guys bedding in, so to speak. You kind of want guys who are going to come in and hit the ground running if you're going to take it at anyone at all at the moment. But hey, let's wait and see. We, we might be putting the cart well before the horse on this one. Um, Good to see we're, in, we're willing still to invest some cash, even despite the, the Ronnie Hernandez debacle um, that, we've, that we've gone through in the last couple of seasons. But hopefully, fingers crossed, this one will actually pay off for us and we'll end up um, 
end up doing all right out of Vicente Bejuan. And if in six months' time he's on loan at Atlanta United, <laughs> I reserve the right to say that I always said this was a shifty signing. <laughs> a Nadir shifty signing. Um, and as one arrives, another departs. And it's the end of the road for Neil McGinn at Aberdeen. He's probably completed Aberdeen Tinder. Um, he leaves <laughs> to join Dundee on a free transfer. Always good to try a new city, I guess. Leaves after 358 appearances over two spells. He's 15th on the all-time appearance list. 87 goals. He's 19th on the all-time scorers list. One behind his fellow partner in crime uh, during that 2014-2017 run in the form of Adam Rooney. And I don't know we're giving anything away to say that Adam was maybe secretly quite pleased to see Niall disappearing and so Adam can keep his spot in the uh, in the all-time scorers list. League Cup winner 2014 and a runner-up in the 2016-2017 league and Scottish Cups. Uh, a fine servant, it's fair to say, over the piece. Probably more fondly remembered for his first spell, um, if I was being a little bit critical, which uh, I sometimes can be. Not entirely convinced it was the right thing for him to come back second time round, and I don't think we've really seen the best out of him in that period. Probably the right thing now for this move to happen. I don't think there was any doubt he was going to get much in the way of minutes between now and the end of the season, and he obviously wants to try and prolong his Northern Ireland career. But Gav, I guess just your thoughts on uh, on the departing name again. Um, so first things first, I think we've talked about this with with Noel Blaha. We've probably talked about it at other points in the season, but it should never be. We should never lose sight of how significant a player Nell McGinn has been to Aberdeen in the last 10 or so years. Um, I think he is synonymous with bringing us from being a grossly underachieving bottom six team to a team that compete at the upper upper echelons of the league and scored a number of goals, created a number of goals. Um, very, very fond memories of that first five-year spell, especially. And even... I think even the first 18 months of his time back, there were still some good moments. You know, the goal against Kilmarnock that he scores is is great. And, you know, there's a there's a goal against Rangers and there's still some good stuff, still some real yeah. quality from the guy. I think he needs to be at a team where he's... I think he needs to be at a team where he's going to be on the team sheet every, every week rather than being a bit part player. I don't think that's going to help his style of play at all. Um, and I understand the... The reasoning why maybe he's chosen to leave or we've chosen, because um, as you say, he Northern Ireland are still in contention for the World Cup. I'm sure he wants to be in and around that squad and playing at a level where he's recognised. I think, like all people, like almost everyone, I think I, I wouldn't have given him a, another one year deal. I don't really understand why that happened. Beyond maybe just not wanting to unsettle things too much, but this season, I think playing for Aberdeen has been one step too far but like I say um, an incredible servant I think to call him a legend is probably one step too far but uh, a modern day great of the Aberdeen of Aberdeen Football Club absolutely I think you're right I think we, we maybe even touched on I think in episode one about the decision to give him an, a, another one year deal this season it kind of smacked to me a little bit of glass still not being entirely sure what sort of squad he was going to be able to put together this year and so it was a case of well this guy's coming and to be fair to, to be fair to McGinn I think McGinn did okay when Glass had his little spell at the back end of the last season he scored obviously against Livingston in the cup to help force that into extra time eventually so maybe he had some credit in the bank with the manager there but I agree I thought it was a bit of an odd decision at that point to make but which actually makes it even more surprising for me that Dundee have given him an 18 month 
contract. I was fully expecting it was going to be a six-month job until the end of the season and see how things had gone. So fair play to Niall, he's been able to get another 18-month deal somewhere. I, I don't think he would have had another contract from Aberdeen in this season. So he's been able to kind of future-proof his his career to an extent there as well. And you're right, I think certainly even his first season with, with, with Craig Brown, when Craig Brown played him almost as a number nine and he scored 20 goals that season. And I think he was the first striker since, I would imagine it'll be Stavrum, who'd got to 20 in a season. In a, in a team that was, let's not try, try and pretend otherwise, was fucking terrible. Um, was almost miraculous. Um, and then continued on that form and he became part of that trifecta of perfection almost between himself, Johnny Hayes and Adam Rooney when Rooney eventually came in. Um, superb stuff. For me, maybe a little bit inconsistent now again, but I guess that's part of the course with with players like that. But you're right, his his status as a kind of modern day great within the Aberdeen setup shouldn't be kind of forgotten. And certainly the last couple of years shouldn't, shouldn't really cloud that. If you had to pick a, a Niall McGinn moment and you were going to just stick that up on the mantelpiece, what would it be? Um, so I'm, I'm going to take two if that's okay. Well, you can do it because you could take Graham's. So one that always stands out to me actually was, um, it's one that kind of goes by the, by the wayside a little bit, but um, the goal against Hamilton at Pataudry, when we beat them, I think we beat them 3-0 and the ball is a loose back pass or something like that. And he picks the ball up. He just lifts it over Canning. And then rather than lashing, it, he just lifts the ball over McGovern. Oh, yes. So yeah. much calmness that is not, that's not typical of a player in Scottish mm-hmm. football. I think it just showed the sheer quality that he had. And the other one would be, I wasn't there, but I was watching it in the pub. Um, it was the week after we beat Celtic 2-1 and we all started to dream and then we beat Hearts 3-1 at Tynecastle. And when he sends the Hearts number four, I mean, that guy should have had to buy a ticket to get back in the game after what McGinn did to him. Takes it past Patterson, lashes it past Alexander. Just unbelievable. Yeah, I, there's so many. I think so, I, I saw somebody post up a, a reel today of some of Niall's best goals and there were some I'd completely forgotten about. A lot of great strikes in there. The the one against Dundee at Pataudry where he just, you know, where, where the ball comes in, he, he puts on the knee, then kind of flicks his foot out of the volley. It's an absolutely fantastic goal as well. But yeah, I can't look past that that goal against Hearts at Tynecastle. It's it's just an outrageous piece of skill to begin with. Even the second dummy he sells, Patterson is is hilarious. If anything else, it's because Patterson is so far on the wrong side, it's not even funny. And the finish is just unnerving and then a little bit of a noise up to the fans on the way past as well it's got it all superb stuff uh this is not something we're going to do very frequently i don't think players who leave aberdeen football club not right now anyway um if if there's ever a i hate the hashtag thing where once a dawn always a dawn i really really don't like it but if if there's somebody who it does belong to i think it's probably now again completely agreed and going forward out with games versus aberdeen wish him nothing but the best at dundee Absolutely. And his pizza restaurant in Belfast is actually top notch. So if you don't head over there, fire in. I guess, do we need to talk about this, Gav? We, we we did a big in-depth piece last week with Joe Patrick about the Hernandez deal. But at the time we recorded that with Joe, there hadn't been any confirmation from our side. That confirmation arrived just before the Rangers game. Do we want to talk about that press release or has it all been said and we just move on? I think everything has been said about that uh, that particular piece of communication from the club. Let's leave it there. Okay, good stuff. We'll maybe get the finance director on just to 
confirm. I think the one thing we'll say is though that Ronnie Hernandez did put like a nice message on uh, on Instagram, kind of thanking the club for what we've done for him, blah blah blah. So he did, but he ruined it a little bit by then using the English flag as the emoji afterwards. Oh, did he? Yeah, on one of the on one of his social medias he did. I think on one he got it right, on another one he got it horrendously wrong. So well, yeah. either way, um, all the best, Ronnie. Yeah, all the best, Ronnie. Here's hoping we that that significant sell-on fee that we've got apparently eventually pays off for us. On the women's side, the women made the trip to the capital to take on Hearts in SWPL1, looking to avenge their three to defeat to the Jambos earlier in the season and recover from last week's surrender of a two-goal lead against Spartans and subsequent 3-2 loss. Three changes to the starting lineup for Emma Hunter and Gavin Meath, Lauren Campbell, Carrie Doig and Bailey Collins all returning to the starting lineup. A new signing, Hannah Stewart on the bench for the first time since she joined last week and a fiercely contested opening phase of the match saw the Dons have an Ogilvy shot blocked in the penalty area and AJ Meach had to act sharply at the other end to deny McKenney. Aberdeen took the lead though on 16 minutes, Broderick and Shore linking well before the ball fell to Bailey Hutchinson in the box. Her shot was well saved but fell nicely for Francesca Ogilvy to side foot home the rebound. Things got worse for the Jambos as McKenney was sent off for on 36 minutes after picking up two bookings in the space of eight minutes for two fouls on Ailey Shore. And Aberdeen went in a goal to the good at halftime. And the Dons started the second half looking to press home their numerical advantage. And they made it count on the hour mark. Bailey Hutchinson released through the middle and she finished nicely to give the Dons a two-goal cushion. But as Aberdeen know this season, two goals is never enough. Aberdeen forced a third. A couple of minutes later, a fine run by Chloe Gover was matched by her shot which smashed off the bar and fell kindly for Hutchinson to slot home her second and Aberdeen's third. Hannah Stewart came off the bench for her debut alongside Nadia Sopel, replacing Gover and Hutchinson before a fourth goal arrived on 71 minutes. Ogilvy's corner met by Shore and her header cap of a fine victory for the Dons on the road and one that sees Aberdeen jump up to sixth spot in the league, just the one point behind Motherwell. Next up, it's a double header for the girls as they face Glasgow girls and women in the Scottish Cup on Tuesday night before the visit of Rangers to the Balmoral next Sunday. And the young team, Barry Robson's young team, were in cast under 18 league duty, but it was a thumping defeat to a strong Rangers side at the Rangers Training Centre in Glasgow with the home side running out. 4-1 victors in the end, the Dons' consolation goal coming from Liam Harvey on 30 minutes as the host's experience of playing together eventually won out. Next up, it's Rangers again on Friday night in the quarterfinals of the Youth Cup, again in Glasgow. And on to loan watch, Tom Ritchie kept his place in the sticks for Huntley as they were beaten 2-1 at Christie Park by league leaders Fraserburgh in the Highland League. Elsewhere, Keen Nguyenya lasted the full 120 minutes for Kelty Hearts as they knocked out holder St Johnston in the Scottish Cup, a 1-0 win for the League 2 outfit. Mason Hancock started for Stirling Albion and played for 86 minutes as they bowed out the Scottish Cup with a 4-0 defeat at Mordor. Ryan Duncan played the full 120 minutes as Peter Head and East Kilbride fought out a 2-2 draw. And after a goalless extra time, Duncan scored his penalty as Peter Head eventually progressed into the last 16 of the Cup. 5-3 on penalties. No game for Elgin, so nothing to report on Evan Tyler and Kevin Hanratty. And finally, Luke Turner played the full 90 as Cliftonville beat Larn by one goal to nil in the Northern Irish Premiership. So that wraps up part one of this week's show. Join us after the break where we'll preview our upcoming league doubleheader against St. Johnston and Ross County. And to play us out this half, it's the Pest Chode with their track, Nigel Pepper. 
from the album Return to Girth. Check out the Chode on Twitter at Depeche Chode and you can download this track and the album over at depeche-chode.bandcamp.com. Here's the Chode with Nigel Pepper. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Anderson Quantity Surveying. If you've engaged with an architect for your construction project, chances are they've provided you with an average cost per square metre for your project. But speak to AQS who can provide you with a fully broken down budget cost plan based on your feasibility or planning drawings. AQS's cost plan allows you to know right from the start if your design is affordable before you even apply for a building warrant. And it allows you to see where all your costs lie, enabling you to identify cost savings at the outset. To find out more, give AQS a call on 01224 502 550 or email gary at andersonqs.co.uk. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. It's time now for us to take a look at our forthcoming fixtures against St Johnston and Ross County as the games keep coming thick and fast after the return from the winter break. And first up is the visit of St Johnston to Pataudry on Saturday. Now, Gab, it's fair to say St Johnston couldn't be heading to Pataudry in much worse form. Ten defeats in a row. No wins in 11. That's the one. Sounds kind of familiar, actually. It does a little bit, doesn't it? Uh, 11, only 11 goals scored in the league. So what's that? About 0.5 goals per game? It's around that sort of level. Yeah, It sounds very in keeping with a team that have Stevie May up front. Um, 27 conceded. So yeah, not the long, not the worst. I think, uh, I think Dundee still have that honour. It's Dundee or somebody else. I mean, 27 is not bad. It's only a couple of goals worse than us, I think, at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. So clearly it's, I mean, they're not keeping... They're not keeping clean sheets, probably, but obviously the uh, the attacking area is the is the problem for them, and that's highlighted by the fact that Chris Kane's their top goal scorer with three goals. And yeah, they're coming off the back of a very very poor very poor result against uh, Kelsey Hearts, uh, getting knocked out of the Scottish Cup. So they've gone from being the Invincibles to getting knocked out by League Two opposition. Uh, and as someone on Twitter has pointed out, I'm pretty sure this makes them the First team to have drawn with Galatasaray in the same season as they've been beaten by Kelty Hearts. I might need to check that, but I'm pretty certain that I'll be accurate. Yes, absolutely. It's not going well for Calum Davidson, it's, it's fair to say. No, the pressure's on. One thing I would say, you've seen the clip of them having to depart from New Central Park. Um, yeah, it looks like the changing rooms or whatever <laughs> are beyond where the St. Johnston fans were in that corner of the stadium or don't know what Kelly's stadium looks like ground whatever yeah and i saw a lot of people being like, oh like that's ooh, that's not great but I, I have to say i thought that the level of vitriol towards them was pretty pretty minor i thought given the circumstances i wouldn't have liked to have been in that environment had that been ourselves let's just say that i think as i said to somebody on twitter today if that had been us i think the players would have probably had to have been left on the pitch until such point as the stadium had been cleared in that scenario 
yeah, it's it's not going well for them. They've they've recruited a few players in the January window now. John Mann from Sligo Rovers, who's a centre half, who signed uh, today. I think it was. We're recording this on Sunday night, so I think he came in today. Nadir Chifshi came in as a free agent. Uh, Jacob Butterfield, Tony Gallagher, and Daniel Cleary have all joined since we last played in December. None of those names really stand out to me as being anything particularly special. Chief G's obviously got a lot of experience playing in this league, but I'm saying this now and I don't want to kind of tempt fate too much, but I get the distinct impression he's probably likely to be a bit of a shadow of the player that he was at Dundee United. Well, if I'm not mistaken, was did he last not appear in Scottish football with Motherwell? Oh, did he? I feel he had a spell. I think he's been to like, Turkey He's been in Turkey recently, yeah, that's Since right. Celtic, and I'm sure he came back for maybe six months with Motherwell and did very, very little. I can Let's see you're looking that up now. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. He was on loan at Motherwell from... It must have been from Celtic, I think. Yeah, he went to he went to Turkey after Celtic permanently, but he, he must have gone to... He was at Motherwell on loan from Celtic. So with three goals in 15 games, so one in five is not... It's not great, but it's not absolutely horseshit. Um, and yeah, Jacob Butterfield is a name I recognise from English football. Used to play for Norwich many years That's ago, right. but never really made an impact there. I'm, I'm assuming he's kind of been floundering around the, around the lower leagues of English football ever since then. So they're not signings that make you stand up and think, whoa, they've got some, maybe got some bargains or that's, that's a guy that could really fire them up the table. Yeah, not much to, not much to say about that, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, rather than... Rather than looking at predictions right now for St. Johnson, will we move on to talk about Ross County, the Ross County game, and then we get Ross County, Ross County, and then we can do predictions etc. Together in this one. So Ross County, obviously, this is the rearranged fixture that was meant to take place on the second of January. Yes, what, what should have been a big boozy away support will probably now be, I would imagine, relatively limited given it's a Tuesday night up in Dingwall. County, kind of two wins and a draw in their last five games in the league. They came back out of the winter break with a 3-1 win over Motherwell last time out, so that was a good result for them, which also sparked scenes of a pitch invasion at the Global Energy Stadium, whatever the fuck it's called <laughs> these days. Um, but have you seen the clip of this as well, which is brilliant on Twitter? There's obviously some weird happen with the camera angle, so it just looks like a bunch of midgets have invaded the pitch. I saw that it's and amazing. I thought that there must be some kind of like filter or something. That's why I put on for a comedic effect. But it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Absolutely fantastic stuff. They faced Dundee United and Rangers before we visit on Tuesday. So again, we're recording this before those fixtures. So it can be a little bit difficult to, to provide a real accurate assessment on this. But they've kind of picked up a little bit of form in the league in more recent weeks. I know we had the big break, but they were starting to pick up form before the winter break. Reagan Charles Cook is their danger man. Eight goals. He's he's the top scorer for Ross County. He scored um, against us in the 1-1 draw at Bataudry earlier in the season. That's correct. Yeah, Declan Drysdale, Kane Ramsey coming in on loan so far this window from Coventry and Southampton respectively. But they've lost Harry Clark, who by all accounts was doing pretty well for them, I think. Uh, he's been recalled by Arsenal and then subsequently punted out on loan to Hibs again, I think for 18 months, I think. 18 um, months, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of difficult to tell. that They got beat by Livingston in the Cup at the Tony Macaroni. I would imagine that big racist Malky McKay are probably quite happy that they're out of the Cup just so they can focus on maintaining their league status. I'm not sure if there's anything about the Scottish Cup that he'd be particularly prejudiced about. I'm not sure. He might be. He's very prejudiced about a lot of things. <laughs> um, <laughs> but looking at these two fixtures, I guess, for Aberdeen, off the back of... 
the Rangers game off the back of St. Mirren. It's, a, it's an opportunity for us to try and build up a bit ahead of steam. I think with Ross County, despite the questionable character of their manager, and I'm being generous when I say that, because I don't want Graham Spears coming after me. <laughs> oh, speaking about Malky McKay's character, is Malky McKay's character better or worse than Colin Hendry's character? Scott Brown's is better than either of them. <laughs> it's not difficult, is it? Colin Hendry, he's not going to be liking any more of our tweets anytime soon. No, he's, I think he does follow us still. Um, but yeah, Braveheart, if you listen, you can take your fucking opinions and ram them right up your arse. Um, yeah, despite that, they have got it together in the last like month or two. Uh, even though it's, it's yeah, like I say, it's two wins and a draw from the last five. But you look back to about mid-November, even the games they're losing, they're losing by one goal. So it's not like they're getting hammered or anything like that. And yeah, he seems to have put together a team that can be dangerous, um, you know, 30 goals. So they've scored more than us. Which is quite, which is which is kind of impressive, actually, given that they're tenth in the league. They're the fourth highest scorers in the league. Um, they're only a goal behind Hearts in third, but they are. They've conceded the second highest amount. Yeah, they have. Yeah, only three less than Dundee. You know, five wins, six draws, ten defeats. To me, tells the story of a pretty inconsistent team. But at the same time, they're set. They're only seven points behind us, which I think is again showing you how tight the league is. So, and Dingwall is always a tricky. A tricky place to go Tuesday night especially we've had some pretty disastrous trips up there in recent years I mean we have I think yeah. the I think Ross County that 4-0 4-1 drubbing was probably the end of Derek McInnes well I think it was the absolute final nail mm-hmm. in that coffin before we then embarked on that horrendous run of no goals as well was it 4-0 I think it was 4-0 I think it was in that run of no goals wasn't it I can't really quite remember if we got a consolation but either way we conceded four we got absolutely hammered yeah. Um, and yeah, they they kind of did a number on us. I think kind of almost showed uh, a blueprint on how to play against us, especially at Pataudry earlier this season. And had it not been for a bit of a howler from their goalkeeper, they probably would have won that game. So yeah, difficult game. Um, as well, so listen, St. Johnson are also in a bad run of form, but we know what they are. And we and again, they also did a number on us at Pataudry. Uh, but we can only take confidence from beating them at McDermott Park recently. And just generally speaking, the way we've been playing as of late, um, I thought we were good against Rangers. thought we could have easily won the game. Edinburgh City, you know, very professional performance. I think we had a lot left in the tank. And yeah, hopefully we can just go on and go into these games, take them by the scruff of the neck in the exact same way we did with Edinburgh City and get some points on the board and start looking at those European places. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was 4-1 actually, that one. Um the reason I couldn't remember scoring is because it was an own goal there you go. From, from Ross County, so that's why I couldn't remember it. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be an interesting one. I mean, you're right. I think that St. Johnson have got a huge, huge match before they play us um, on Wednesday night. They are at home to Dundee. Now, that's a game between two sides who are just really, really struggling just now. I think Dundee are on, a, I think Dundee are on the same sort of level of form as a St. Johnston in the league. I think they are something daft. Like, I think they're six games on the spin defeats their last win was the first of december a win the win against st johnston and they have to recover from the loss of the come dog true absolutely um although jason Cummings strikes me as the kind of guy that will absolutely be detained by the australian border (laughs) 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 so i I suspect he might be back a a lot sooner than he imagined um he's going to go out there and probably tear it up isn't he like the a-league's 
fucking terrible. It's, um, I think is it, it's one of those leagues again. It's kind of a bit like the MLS, isn't it? Where it's like there's some good players, but on the most part, it's quite a lot of dross. Yeah, but like Jamie McLaren, who was absolute dog shit for Hibs, is like scoring goals for fun in the A League. Oh, is he the guy that? Uh, yeah, he was up front with Canberra, wasn't he? When he was good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Jason Cummings is probably going to head out there and just be an absolute fucking menace, I imagine, to the local authorities and the local population. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him deported. Although, although he could also like, bring the open goal franchise out to Australia. Also very true. Also very true. But yeah, I mean, so it's hard, I guess, like you say, to do a lot of predictions on this because so many things could change. Yeah. Yeah. If St. Johnston get beat on Wednesday night by Dundee, I'd like to think we could really just, uh, they would they would surely arrive at Pataudry just with the absolute pits in terms of confidence of where they are. I mean, that would leave them at that point. I'd be very surprised if they lost to Dundee if they'd kept Callum Davidson in the job. Yeah, I, I, it's a, I guess it's a difficult one. You have to wonder how much credit in the bank Davidson has after winning two cups. If they lose that, that would leave, Dun, that would leave St. Johnston five points adrift of Dundee. Okay, there's probably still time to turn that around, but that would be the third meeting between the sides as well. So they only have one more shot at Dundee. Ross County have stretched away. They're they're seven points clearer of of St Johnson as it speaks at the moment. And County are playing Dundee United, who are in equally shit form. Yeah, you know you can easily see them getting a point or even three points out of that. And you know, so if St Johnson arrive here, even without a win, I would even say if they draw against Dundee. If they arrive here without a win, I'd like to think that we could really try and capitalise on a team who will surely arrive here, low of confidence, low on belief. I'd like to see us get after them a bit more. We we, we kind of got after, after them pretty well, I thought, in the first half in Perth, just before Christmas. And then we kind of struggled a little bit. We kind of got dragged into a bit of a, a battle in the second half, and we, we got a little bit fortunate with the goal from Jenks um, after he caught it and topped it <laughs> at his foot to, to fire it past Ander Clark. But... It's the kind of it's the kind of team now you'd like to think that you could you, you know it's our opportunity to really put a team like that to the sword when they arrive here. Ross County, I think, are going to be a whole different kettle of fish. If I'm honest, I think Ross County. You were saying earlier on, you know, that their stats speak of a team who are very inconsistent. To me, their stats also speak of a team who are very very open. There's goals to be had in that game, and it almost feels as though when you look at that, 30 goals for 36 against. They're kind of they're kind of winning games and losing games by the odd goal here or there more often than not so I, I i think it could be a it could probably be a bit of a humdinger actually in thing one on tuesday night. it could be quite an interesting game because we're not really built to sit and contain so it could be quite a high scoring affair in thing one and it's it's probably a, a shame that that game's not taking place on the second of january as, as it should have done i think um for there you just kind of go in with the belief and hopefully by this point i mean listen i think john hayes has done a very good job um in recent weeks yeah um but we don't really I mean, do we really know what the situation with Jack McKenzie is? From what I can see from Steam Glass, I think he just said that this game, Edinburgh City, was just a little bit too quick for him. Um, so whether that means he'll be available for St. Johnston, I, I'm not entirely sure. It seems as though he's picked up like a little niggly thing. Not sure. Um, who knows? The, the manager's very, very cagey, I guess, around his um, selection choices at the best of times. Yeah, I guess what I was going to say there is that our defence has certainly improved in the last yeah. month or so and absolutely yeah i think you have to believe that we can go up there and be solid at the back take control of the game with our midfielders um let's say scott brown has been a, a marvel in the captaincy in the last couple of weeks and we just see every seems like feels like every game now we just see the way that he 
brings the standards up. And Lewis Ferguson's in great form. Teddy Jenks seems to have settled into that role now in the sort of space in between attack and midfield. Yeah. And it's again this thing as we as we talk about this on the 23rd of January, and that game with Ross County is what on the it's on the first of February. So the transfer window first opened, of Feb, yeah. So the transfer window will have been shut. So any business that we do will be over. And you like to think that we're going to bring in a couple more options. Certainly. Certainly if, as you say, if Marley Watkins is effectively out until the split, I think we're very, that would leave us yeah. very light. Um, so you like to think there that we'll just have if it's new players. Or the guys we're in, maybe Dante Polvara will be integrated in the team by that point. Just have the belief that we can go up there and win this game. Um, I want to just like say something that Graham Steele's said quite a lot. If we want to make something of the season, we need to be beating teams like Ross County and St. Johnston. So, yeah, let's make a, let's make a statement. It's a big month for us as well coming up now. I feel that every time we kind of look at chunks of fixtures, we're always saying it's big for us. But with the way that our season has gone, it's almost like a season-defining next five to six weeks in a way especially when you look at the league as well obviously Hibs and uh, Motherwell are up ahead of us in the table they play each other on Wednesday night that's the 26th um, when this episode will go out so the draw there would be a nice result for us I would I would suggest Hibs then have a, a run of playing Livingston at home Martindale's Livingston are, are on a bit of decent form at the moment obviously we play them shortly as well and then it's an end of a derby the same night we play Ross County so there's opportunities there for Hibs to drop points I've not been convinced so far by Hibs under Sean Maloney and I know that there's been a few other people saying the same thing I know that it's very 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 early days at the moment on that one but if you watched them against Cove Rangers they were not not particularly special I think it's fair to say and then Hibs go at home to St Mirren and away to Rangers so you know there's, there's a possibility Hibs are looking at dropping some points there and then Motherwell as well Motherwell I think are really going to struggle without the goals of Tony Watt if I'm honest and they go well like I say they're at home to Hibs then they're away to Hearts, away to St Mirren, home to Celtic, away to Dundee United before a double header against us in the Scottish Cup. So again, there's opportunities there, I think, to reel these teams in. But in order to do that, we need to get our campaign really properly in, you know, in fifth gear and get some wins on the board against teams who we've struggled against this season. Yeah, and that's why I think the next eight days will be so critical as well, just to see what all these clubs manage to do in terms of their business. Um, it's a difficult market to operate in quite often it's just taking punts and hoping something you throw enough shit at the wall and hopefully something will stick hopefully Hibs will have the the Martin Boyle money resting in someone's account right now whether they have the ability to reinvest that we're gonna find out I guess like you say Motherwell it's difficult who knows what that fee was they got from Dunia it's probably not gonna be enough to get a player that's scored the level goals that he has in the SPL so yeah I think this is why it's so critical that we operate smartly and hopefully we have enough uh, in the way of our, in the way of our scouting and our recruitment that we're operating, working on getting someone in who can, who can really make a difference. Absolutely. Let's look at predictions then for both these two games. Again, it's difficult for us to do. It's, it's hard without having the context of what happens on Tuesday, Wednesday night for, for these games, but we're going to try our best. Graham got it Bob bang on for the Edinburgh city match. He, he predicted three nil Gav, so St. Johnston. St. Johnston first, yeah. St. Johnston, let's see, 2-0 Aberdeen. Goals from Lewis Ferguson and King Ojo. King Ojo's going to get one. Nice, like it. I'm going to go I'm going to go 3-0 Aberdeen. I think we're going to put St. Johnston to the sword, and for once it'll be us who cast the final blow on a managerial 
appointment. So I'm going to go 3 0. I'm going to go Ferguson, penalty kick, Ramirez, and Teddy Jenks, this time without catching it, though. But Teddy, if that's what you want to do, go ahead. <laughs> and then we move on to the Tuesday night, Ross County. And Ross County away. I will say, I think you're right. I think there'll be goals in this game. I think it's going to be a real character defining victory for Aberdeen. It's going to be 3 2. Oh, I was going to say 3 2 as well. There we go. Uh, goals from Johnny Hayes, another for Ramirez, and a goal for, you know what, sod it, Jet's going to get the winner that night. This is really spooky because I was going to go with the exact same goal scorers, Hayes, Ramirez, and Jet. I have to mix it up now, unfortunately, to make that, to, to differentiate. I will make it clear that Jets will not be an open goal. Yeah, so I'm going to say Bates, Ramirez, Jet. So that wraps up this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And please remember to like, subscribe, follow, or whatever on your podcast player of choice. Join us next week for episode 29, where we'll review our fixtures against St. Johnston and Ross County. We'll have our usual look at our loanies and loan watch. We'll see how the women's team got on in their Scottish Cup tie against Glasgow girls and women and their league fixture against Rangers. Before we're joined by guests from the Almond View podcast to preview our league fixture against Livingston. And we round things off with the latest in our long line of interviews with Don's personalities of past and present. And this time, it's a man who climbed through the youth setup to go on and make 39 appearances for the first team, scoring twice. And he's one who tucked away a penalty in the shootout against Inverness Cali Thistle in the 2014 League Cup final. And this one will come out nicely in advance of his side's upcoming fixture on that Friday night against Kilmarnock in the championship. It's Nicky Lowe. How did we make it through this episode without mentioning that Ash Taylor was at fault for a Kilmarnock goal at the weekend? Oh, I don't know. How did we manage that? It was. Big Ash. Caught with a long ball over the top. That doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> in the slightest. But anyway, we look forward to joining you next week. See you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you by Anderson Quantity Surveying. AQS's exceptional contractor tendering and comparison service provides you with a professional tendering documentation for your contractors to quote against, allowing you to have a fully transparent and like-for-like tendering process, saving you money in the long run, avoiding hidden and unexpected costs at a later date, and ensuring you select the most appropriate contractor for your project. To find out more, give AQS a call on 01224 502 550 or email gary at andersonqs.co.uk